episode 37 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Going over the edge. Team, welcome along to episode 37 of Fitness Behaviour of Bevan James Isles, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside that. Well, welcome to 2014. It's the beginning of the new year and it's uh, we're currently in January and it's, uh, I hope you had an amazing holiday break. Uh, my partner and I, Joe, she's uh, we went headed away and down to a place called Wanaka in um, the South Island of New Zealand, which is seriously one of the most beautiful places in the world and we went camping with some really good friends of ours and there's a big bunch of friends of ours and we go camping every year together and a couple of things that come from it that really kind of reinforce some good things in life and first of all is the importance of spending good time with good friends we basically go camping and, it, and it's it's really good fun you know everyone's got their tents and stuff and we've got good enough equipment to make it you know even in the bad weather kind of a good experience and I always leave my camping experience with my camping buddies with just feeling good about life. And I think the reason is, is that you just spend like a week just laughing, you know, in, in quite a relaxed atmosphere. Seriously, there's just the nicest people and we just have so much fun together. And there's no, uh, I don't know, like there's no arguments or anything like that. And you just, there's just something about spending time with people who make you laugh. And uh, this has nothing to do with today's show, but I do kind of think that one thing that's a good thing to do in life is to try to put yourself around people who laugh because, or make you laugh at least because, I don't know, like I think we all know laughter is good, but when you go away camping with my mates, I literally spend like a week, you know, relaxing and unwinding, but also just having a good time. So that's today's first lesson on the podcast. I've got a really interesting show coming up today. Um, one that I've been thinking about recently and uh, one that I, I kind of started thinking about it I, when I was reading a book over Christmas, and I'll mention that book probably throughout the show, so I won't talk about that now, but this book um, really kind of opened up my mind to a an insight around an idea that I could put forward to you guys. And so from that moment forward, I've kind of been thinking about what is this concept I'm trying to get it forward, and then how can I help put it in a way that helps you understand and helps you maybe shift towards you know better behaviours. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see how I put this together. I haven't recorded it yet, so you guys will find out really soon. But yeah, I just wanted to share one other little kind of insight, insight for the month, I'll call it, before we get into the main part of the show. And, uh, you know, the first one is laugh, which is an obvious one. But I um, I had a meeting today with my my editor at the newspaper I write for. I write for a newspaper called The Press, which my articles also go in a, another newspaper called Dominion Post in New Zealand. And... Um, and it's a very kind of casual relationship. I pretty much just send my editor a, a piece that I write each week. Uh, those are the pieces you can get on my website, bevanjamesiles.com. Um, and I just send it to them each week and they put it in the paper. And, and I have to say my editors gives me a lot of freedom. Like they don't really ever give me any feedback and they um, they don't really tell me what to write about. They just kind of say, well, here's your platform, do what you can do with it. And I've been writing for them for a few years now, so they must kind of like my work. But I had a meeting with my editor today because he wants to do a piece, a kind of like an exercise piece for you know a different segment than what I normally do. And uh, and he was a really nice guy. I've never actually met the guy in person. This guy called Ewan, and uh, 
you know, like you, you have these relationships in life sometimes with people you never actually meet. And Ewan is one of those guys. I've been working with him for about, I don't know, maybe five to six months. And we've had a lot of email communication, but we've never actually met in person. And we kind of got in this meeting room and we spent probably, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes talking about the project that we're working on. And, and then we just kind of started talking about other things. And uh, and Ewan is a guy whose his career has been in newspapers. And, uh, and we started talking about writing and, uh, you know, like I write for a newspaper and, and I know I'm quite proud of the fact that I've written a book, but I don't really see myself as a writer as such, or, or I definitely don't see myself as in one of my strengths in life is in writing. And, uh, but Ewan, you know, nowadays he's more of an editor, so he probably spends less time writing, but you could tell this guy had a love for great writing and, uh, and, you know, me being the sponge that I am towards um, growth and feedback and, you know, being inspired to become better at what I do in life, I kind of just asked him who he admired as writers and, and what was admirable about those people. And I obviously had a spark, I, you know, like that question obviously put a bit of a spark in him because he just went to somewhere which was inspiring to me. He just started to talk about some of, he didn't even really even speak of individual writers. He just spoke of people or the way that the impressive writers write. And the thing that I loved about that moment that I was spending with Nguyen was there's something about spending time with people when they admire, when they're talking about the admiration they have for others, other people's work. And Ewan kind of spent the next period of time just talking about what he saw great writing was and um, and she had some really amazing insight that as kind of a, a newbie writer, I would have never gained without, you know, being able to sit down with someone like him. And, uh, and he talked about how at moments he has that ability to deliver what the top writers have, but to do it consistently is, is a very challenging thing. And, uh, and, and I just loved that moment that when I was sitting with this person who was already quite a high level in this area that I was interested in to watch him talk about what inspires him and and how aspirational that was for me and I do think there's something like that there's something important around that in life to sometimes surround yourself with people who are who are probably high level in the area anyway but express how they are impressed with the by the people that inspire them because I could tell you that, like, for example, with writing, which isn't an area that I'm that skilled at, I could tell you I like a writer, but I couldn't necessarily tell you why I like a writer. Whereas Ewan, you know, being after, you know, spending his whole career in this area of writing, he, he was able to tell me what was great about a writer and, and the way he just went into his passion and his... his um, you know, he just went somewhere else as he talked about that was really inspiring for me. And I know I've met quite a few people like that over my lifetime, people who when you, you see them, the high level in their own area, and you hear them talk about people that inspire them. Like I did Ironman triathlon for years, and, and really the moment I was inspired to do a triathlon was because my physio, a man named Grant, was my physio. And, and when you work in fitness industry, you often spend a little bit of time at the physio because you get injured at times. And I went to Grant and he was um, already did like long course endurance sports and he one day just started telling me about the Ironman and the way Grant spoke about it, he talked about, you know, you know who would ever think about doing a 3.8k swim and a 180k bike ride and then run a marathon and then he started talking about the elite guys, you know, how fast these guys ran and ran, rode and swam 
And I was just impressed by the admiration he had for those people. And I can honestly say that conversation with Grant planted the seed in my life to go, I want to become that. And so I think sometimes in life it's just good to surround yourself with people. You know, if there's two types of people that we could probably kind of wrap up in this first part of today's show, the first being, you know, have that person who makes you laugh. Um, and the other one is to, to kind of have those people who probably are a high level of what you are and listen to them talk about the people that inspire them. And uh, something about that inspires you. There's probably just one little thing I want to add to this conversation I'm having right now, and the first is that uh, it's also good to have people around you who think you're funny, <laughs> and, and I know this is really random, but uh, I like to think, like on this show I'm quite serious, but in life I'm, I'm definitely a clown, I'm not, I'm, you know, not the serious guy, and, um, and some, you've got, I've got some friends who just think I'm funny, I don't even know if they do think I'm funny, but they laugh at what I say, and I love spending time with them because there's something nice about having people laugh at what you say, so... You know, surround yourself with those types of people, and I, and I think maybe in some ways there's a lot of value in your life for that. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get into the show. Um, this show is an interesting one. I think. Um, yeah, uh, let's see how it goes. I'll talk to you after the after the kind of main segment. See you guys soon. Here we go. Here's some music. In today's show, I'm going to share with you um, three kind of maybe philosophies or ideas, um, philosophies, <laughs> apart from philosophies, three ideas that I'm going to share with you, and uh, and I'm going to tell it in maybe three different stories, and then kind of bring it all together at the end. So I thought I'd just start off with a little bit of a story um, from when I was a young man, and if you've listened to this show long enough, you know that I... You know, I was a bit of a dropkick when I was younger. I've talked a lot about my my drug history, my alcohol history, uh, the fact that I was, you know, didn't pass school cert or didn't get any school course qualifications at first. Um, got a girl pregnant very young. Was probably quite an unethical person at that stage in my life. So, the picture I've painted about that stage in my life was, you know, it's pretty clear that I wasn't in a great place. It's funny. It's funny when I look back on that time. I don't see myself as a bad person. Like I, I think I was. I was intending well, but my behaviours, my actions were far from it. What's really interesting around that time is, you know, this, when I talk about that age, you know, I'm I'm 36 now, and around that age I was, this is probably somewhere between the age of like 16 through to 20, and it's a really interesting age for a lot of people, and, and I can only speak from my experience of life at that time. But I'm sure a lot of you will, will probably recognise and identify with the fact that this is a time in your life when you have a lot of other people around, a lot of social people around. Uh, there's there's the party people that you go to parties with, but there's also that, that big group of friends that you may have hung around with. And for myself, I had a big group of friends, probably around about 12 guys, who I continually pretty much spent most of my waking hours with, or any free time that I had with, I would be either with a few of those guys or on the weekend, we would spend our whole time together as a group of friends. You guys know how much I've talked about environments and how much environments were will have an influence on the way we act in our lives. And this was a real example of the environment, uh, how my environment at that time kind of kept me in the place. And like I was saying before, I don't think that any of my friends at that time were necessarily bad people. I think we were just maybe a little bit confused young men who, you know, had no real direction. But 
when we look at the behaviours and the understood morals of my group of friends, we didn't have huge high standards that we were trying to live by. We weren't ambitious young men who were trying to achieve massive academic goals and, and had ambitions of doing big things in this world. You know, we had, <laughs> if our ambitions were anything, it was, it was how, how messy could you get when you got drunk or, or how stoned could you get or, you know, how many girls could you have sex with? It was, it was stuff that was as basic as that. And so while I was living in this place, there was no one who was ever really judging me based on my own behaviours and my peers around me. You know, we'd, we'd catch up on a Friday night and we'd buy a keg of beer and, you know, and, and then the drinking games would begin and often, you know, the, the, the druggies, of the, not all of us were druggies, but the druggies of the group would kind of start to get together and, you know, and, and, and these would be behaviours that we continuously did for, you know, a certain, certain period of time. I'm going to share with you one night in particular that, you know, it's often when you think about the transition periods of your life, there's often some key moments for you. And for me, there were probably three key moments for me that really kind of identify with as and I need to change in my life. And one night I'd been out drinking with my friends, my big group of friends, and, and again, they didn't have this high moral kind of standards that we were trying to maintain. You know, we, we all kind of agreed subconsciously that, you know, we were just a bunch of guys having a good time. And there were no real rules around that. But one night I went out with my friends and we went out drinking. And when I was a drinker, I, was, I always was a hopeless drinker. Uh, my nickname was Sleepy because when I drank, I would basically fall asleep half the time, you know, within a couple of hours. And I was a guy who often had no eyebrows or had, you know, photos of me with funny, you know, rude words written on my face and stuff like that. And uh, so, you know, like I wasn't a very good drinker. And one night me and my friends went into town. And to be honest, I was also a bit of a sleaze at that time. I kind of hit on anything that moved when it came to females. And one night I went into town with my mates and I got so drunk and I couldn't really remember what I did, which was quite a common thing for myself and probably for a lot of my peers at that time. And so I went into town and I couldn't really remember what I did. But the next day where all my friends were sitting around and we're sitting around, you know, just kind of telling the stories the next night and maybe having some beers in the afternoon. And one of my good friends, a guy called Johnny Westbury, he turned around to me and in front of the whole group he said to me, Do you know what, Bevan? You're a real embarrassment when you get drunk. I say that again. He goes, Bevan, you're a real embarrassment when you get drunk. Now that hit me really, really hard. Like I remember it just hit me like a... a ton of bricks just coming down on me in that moment because here was this group of friends of mine who you know didn't have high standards for ourselves and didn't really judge each other based on that and even though we probably the standards we didn't have were still pretty low I had exceeded what was socially acceptable for our group what had happened was that uh, I basically tried to hit on a girl and she wasn't interested and I, I followed her into the toilet at some bar or something. Like I don't really know because I can't remember, but something like that had happened. And uh, and he he was embarrassed to be my friend at that time. And then when he brought it up, it made me, it was one of those moments where you see yourself for what you really are. And it was one of those moments when I look back on what made me transition away from a life where 
you know, I was all those bad things into a life where I had ambition and, and aimed for big things and managed to achieve some things. Well, that moment, that moment of being him being ashamed of me made me realise it. And it made me realise a key thing around the way I worked in my life at that moment in time. And then I suppose this is going to be the first point that I'm going to bring up in today's show, is what I'm going to call your excess point. The point where even you go beyond what you think is good enough, or you or your peers go beyond what you feel is good enough. So back in those days, for me to get drunk and, you know, to the point where I was in excess, maybe sleeping, you know, they just thought it was good fun. But then when I overstepped the mark where I was, you know, following a girl into the toilet, even though she had rejected me, I'd overstepped my social marks of my friends. I'd gone to an excess point that was beyond what we believed as a group was good or or fear or, you know, within our acceptable limits. And I think that's something we all need to start to learn within ourselves, is what are your excess points? And when I think about this, when I sat down to think about today's show, I thought to myself, well, there's probably two ways we need to think about excess points. There's the extreme case. There's that time when you have... I often think that when you think about when people make dramatic change in their lives... You know, it might be the person who suddenly loses a lot of weight. It might be the person who overnight decides to give up alcohol. It might be the person who, um, you know, suddenly wants to shift their career and starts to educate themselves. That often what's actually driven that change is they've gone past an excess point which even they are unhappy with. You know, and for me, it was that, that moment where my friend said he was embarrassed of me I, like until that moment in my life, I lived in excess. When I got drunk, I was how drunk could I get? When when I got stoned, it was how stoned could I get? You know, I lived in excess, but in that moment, I even exceeded that. And when you look at people, when you know, if you think about yourself, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this right now can see those moments in your life where you went to an excess point that made you realize you need to change. And sometimes when people get to that point, it's almost like they find a spark of motivation that suddenly, you know, they can just turn their life around because they realize they don't want to go to that place anymore. And that and a couple other experiences I had around that very short time period made me go to that place. And then the other type of excess point I probably want to bring up in this early part of today's show is the idea of an excess point that is further than what you'd normally want to go, but not quite far off to that I must change point of your excess point. It's the person who probably as a joke often says, I'm never going to drink again. It's the person who, when they eat too much, they do it often. It's not just occasionally eat too much. It's just, you know, they eat themselves to feeling sick often. And when they do that, they, they have that sense of disappointment in themselves and they know they have gone too far. So in some ways, going to the lowest low, going to the I must change excess point, sometimes is a better thing because, if again, if we look at it drives you towards motivation, towards a, a different path, sometimes that may even be a better thing than being in that place where your excess point isn't so bad but still bad enough 
but you continue kind of going back to that place. Now, when we think about the damage of the excess point, it's obviously obviously a pretty massive place. You know, let's look at the food situation. If you are someone who, again, eats too much to pass your excess point often, let's say that, you know, you're someone who, you know, does the whole packet of chips, biscuits and bottle of Coke, you know, you know, two or three times a week and, you know, that's after having a dinner and maybe even a dessert. Now, that excess point comes at a massive health cost to your physical and mental well-being. If you're eating that much food, it's going to cost you in weight. If you're eating that much food, I imagine there's a massive and esteem, esteem cost for you to be in that place. I imagine you probably beat yourself up afterwards, which has many flow-on effects like inaction and better behaviours, um, staying on a bad path, uh, looking yourself in a bad light and so on. So in some ways, sometimes you know, getting to the most extreme of your excess points can be a good thing if it does motivate you for change. I'm not saying I think it's a good strategy to go towards that, but I'm just saying you do see it sometimes in people where they have that massive change. So to wrap up this first segment of the show, the, you know, the whole idea of where are your excess points? When you think about your life right now and you look at those areas within yourself that you know you kind of struggle with, where are your excess points? Do you sometimes go past that I must change and still not change? Like fortunately for me, those three experiences I had made me want to change. But maybe for you, you don't. Maybe you just keep going back to it and over time you become more and more below what you think you should be. Or maybe you're someone who's in that kind of excess point where it's it's bad, but it's not your most extreme case. You know, where you are eating too much too often in a way that's still taking you further and further away from a healthy place, both mentally and physically for you. So that's the first message I want to get onto today's show is excess point. At the end of the show, I'm going to kind of bring this all together. So, well, hopefully I will, and hopefully it all kind of comes together in a magical way. Second thing I want to talk about is something I find really, really interesting. And uh, I'm just taking my top off because it's quite warm. Um, I find this really interesting because it's interesting when you look at people, and I'm going to talk a little bit about body image here, and, and probably more just size, you know, body weight. And one thing I've always found really fascinating over my years in my industry is that there seems to be, it seems to be that people generally stay within a weight range, once they get to a certain age at least, that they generally, and I know this is a generalization, but they generally kind of stay within a certain weight range, you know, all the time. You might get the person who suddenly loses a lot of weight. They might get a diet and, and you know, they lose a lot of weight and it has a massive effect and, that you you know, where you notice a change in a very short period of time and, and you almost have to comment. And then you might get that other person who, you know, suddenly puts on a huge amount of weight in a very short period of time and, and you kind of wonder is, you know, is big stuff happening in their life right now that they can't handle and, you know, is the food a comfort thing and, and things like that. But then when you think about most other people in your life, they generally stay around the same weight range. Now, some people, you know, who are in a healthy place and, and are quite content with their, their images um, in a way that's, you know, that, that they're sitting the right body weight, you know, they, they might kind of 
the range of weight may kind of go a little bit, but they're kind of same, same, same rate, a similar rate. But there are people out there who are overweight, but still say within the same range. Let's think about this. Let's think about someone who, let's say it's a man who sits around 100 kg, and, 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 and in their ideal weight is somewhere between 80 and 85 kg. And they sit on that 100 kg weight. So they're carrying a bit too much weight around and, you know, it's not ideal and, you know, but that's where they are. What I find really interesting about a lot of people in that situation is it's not that they ever get to 120 kg. It's not that you ever see them blowing out massively. They're overweight, but they seem to stay within a, a, a similar range. So, that, you know, might, they might sit somewhere between maybe 95 to 105 kgs. And why is it these people are able to maintain this certain level without going extremely, to the extreme level in an unhealthy way, so where they aren't ending up being 140 and 130 kg? Why is it that they're able to stay within a range, which is still a little bit unhealthy, but they seem to have to manage that level. And this is what I want to introduce as my second point in today's show, is what I'm going to call your acceptable level. What is your acceptable level that you can sit in that even though maybe sometimes it's not the healthiest level, but even when you're there, you even have a standard that you want to maintain? So the classic example of, if we think of this situation here, is um, the man who, you know, if we go back to my man who's 100kg and maybe 15kg overweight, and, uh, you know, if we look at the holiday season, if we look at the Christmas season, especially in places like New Zealand where we have our big summer break over that season, people will take time off work and they may take three three to four weeks off work, and in that time, a lot of people will do less exercise and the diet kind of goes out the back door. So over that period of time, people tend to put on weight. And, and, and a joke I have when I'm kind of in, when I'm teaching classes before that period of time is I often say, you know, go away, guys, have a holiday. And, you know, because this is the biggest time for my fitness industry, you know, for my fitness, my, my kind of profession, because, uh, you know, these people put on weight. They're going to come back in the new year and they're going to want to sharpen up. And, uh, you know, and it's often the case that gyms sell the most uh, memberships at that time. You know, PTs probably do booming business in that kind of January, February month and countries like New Zealand where it's summer. And what I find really interesting about the guy who's 100kg is he'll put on some weight over Christmas and he might go up to that 105kg but then even he doesn't want to go above that level. And so he'll change his behaviours and he'll shift them to a place which takes him back to his acceptable level where he goes, okay, well, you know what, I don't want to be 105kg or I don't want to blow out, so I'm going to really sharpen up. And he'll sharpen up and he'll do all the things he needs to do to lose 5kg and he'll get back to 100kg and then he's back in his acceptable level. Now what happens in that moment? This person knew how to get to lose the weight. They put on the weight over the Christmas season. They've eaten too much, maybe not done much exercise. They get back to their daily routine. They realize, you know what? This is a little bit, I'm not happy with where I am with my weight. So I'm going to shift my behaviors. And they'll shift their behaviors for a certain period of time till they get back down to 100 kg. Now, we now know that this person knows how to lose weight. We now know that they know that 
you know, maybe drink a little bit less, eat a little bit less, do a little bit of exercise, and I'm going to lose that, you know, that, that 5kg I put on over Christmas. And then they get to their acceptable level, and they kind of go, well, you know what, this is okay, I can sit in this place. Now, I'm not saying people shouldn't be unhappy with where they are, I'm not saying you shouldn't be content with where you are, but I find this place really interesting. Because when you have acceptable levels, there's acceptable behaviours that go alongside that, that keep you in maybe an unhealthy place. So the guy, again, who's now 100kg, he's lost his 5kg, you know, over Christmas he probably drank too much, ate too much, and then he goes back to his everyday routine, he sharpens up on behaviours, gets to his acceptable level, which is back at 100kg, and suddenly he allows certain behaviours to come in. Now that may be, let's look at alcohol, let's say that for example, he's the kind of person who likes to have a couple glasses of wine at night, and when he has those, when he's trying to lose weight, he'll drop that, so when he got back from Christmas, he's going, no, I'm not going to have two glasses of wine every night, I'm just going to have one glass of wine every couple nights as a way to, to lose some weight, and then when he gets back to his acceptable level, he has acceptable behaviours that sit around that, that keep him in that place. It's the glass of wine, it's, it's having too much junk food or, or going to fast food places, you know, two or three times a week, whereas when you're just trying to lose weight, maybe you're only going to fast food every couple of weeks. It's, you know, snacking at night. It's, he's got to a place in his life where maybe he's just accepted this is the way he's going to be forever, but even then he has standards around that, and with that acceptable place, there's acceptable behaviours that come alongside that. Think about yourself. Think about the areas where you may struggle. Now, some people may be listening to this and don't struggle at all, and, and if that's the case, great work. But I imagine a lot of you people listening to this right now probably have areas where, you know, there's a bit of an internal battle. It might be food, it might be exercise, it might be um, laziness, you know, procrastination, um, you know, you know those, you know, sitting in front of the TV all weekend, those types of things. Um, it may be alcohol. What are your acceptable levels? And are your acceptable levels keeping you unhealthy? That's what I really want you to think about. The more you can identify what are my acceptable levels that keep me in a place where I'm dissatisfied in this area the more I can look to change. So if you know it's alcohol, my acceptable levels tell me that I'm allowed to have two glasses of wine every night and uh, and maybe get drunk once a weekend and occasionally I'll you know, have a, you know, a real, real blowout where I have like a big weekend where I might get drunk two or three times. Now that's, that's what you've determined that because you know, this is where I'm willing to stay within myself, these are behaviours I'm willing to accept. Now, if I take a step back now and I look at my excess points, for the person in that situation, if they were to go out and get drunk, you know, three times a week, they would be shifting more towards their excess point. So you kind of see how this is all coming together now. So if we can learn where our excess points are in certain areas, the first thing we want to avoid is going close to those. Then we can start to learn around where are my acceptable levels that are keeping me unhealthy in this area. And again, if I'm using the alcohol example, I'm then going, well, my if I can understand my acceptable level that I'm currently sitting in, say that I'm out two glasses of wine every night, get drunk every weekend, one night, and maybe occasionally have a blowout. You can look at the 
costs of those decisions on your health. So we have your excess points, and then we have my acceptable level within myself, and what behaviours come alongside that acceptable level that keep me in an unhealthy place in the areas where I struggle. The last thing I want to talk about is um, how do we move forward from this place? And over Christmas time, I got given a book, uh, Mike Tyson's book. Uh, I, I, I love camping. We go camping with a really good group of friends. Uh, and we go every year. We've got, we've got this kind of, I think I talked about this before the show, but uh, we go camping with this great bunch of friends and we have heaps of laughs and, and all the rest of it. And um, But the other thing I love about camping is it's the one time of the year where I can just read like like you wouldn't believe it. And um, you guys know I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and so I'm always listening to audiobooks. But at uh, camping time of the year, I'll often just read some other stuff as well. And you know, I can sit down and get like two or three hours reading in, which is a real treat for me because I tend to only be able to read for like half an hour a night. Um, but so I got given Mike Tyson's book for Christmas, and uh, Mike Tyson's book is a very well, his story is a very fascinating story. It's, it's a story of a very broken person who got given a lot of power and influence and didn't have the skills, support, um, character to be able to handle this way in a really positive way. And it's one of those books where it's a bit of a broken record because throughout the whole story there's just recurring things that happen over and over again. And and even at the end of the book there's a claim to redemption. And, And, you know, I hope the guy has had redemption because... You know, his head, inside his head, I think, is a really big battle. Um, but, you know, after reading a book where it's just a recurring kind of theme happening over and over again, you do wonder if really the redemption is possible. But, you know, again, who knows? And, and I don't know Mike Tyson, so I can't really judge. And, and again, I hope he has found that place he talked about finding in the book. But one thing he talked about, and, and when the first, Mike Tyson had issues, big issues with drugs, big issues with... Um, violence, big issues with alcohol, and also sexual um, control. The guy would pretty much just sleep with anything, uh, and, and in a way where he just had no control over that. And in the book, in the last part of the book, where he's talking about how he's found redemption, he talked about a counsellor, and he talked about how you know some of the strategies that they use to help him move forward. And in the era, you know, he's married, he's got children, and uh, and I think he's probably someone who's battled to be faithful with his partner for his whole, you know, with partners throughout his whole life. And um, and one thing they his counsellor had worked towards was what they call new baseline behaviours. What are my baseline behaviours that keep me in a much safer place around healthy behaviours before my healthy behaviours for my life? So if we think of Mike Tyson, you know, like. A guy in his position does get a lot of women who throw themselves at him. You know, like, it's it's hard for us to know what that life is like. And if you're someone who has no control over the sexual side of yourself, if you're having a woman throwing yourself at you, that I imagine it's a pretty challenging thing to overcome if you're not that strong. And uh, Mike Tyson talks about how one of his baseline behaviours is to not look at a woman who he knows is coming on to him, to look not look at him, almost turn his attention away and almost maybe even tell her, um, you know, this is a dangerous situation for me. I, I I can't be in this place. Now, don't don't quote me on that. That's you know, that's me kind of wrapping up what, what I remember from the book. But that's kind of his strategy around how to improve on those areas. And that's what I want us to think about in today's show. Is 
if we take two steps back, first of all, we have our excess points, the place that we know we're not happy to go to and comes at a massive cost for our mental and physical health. The next thing we have is what we call our acceptable levels, the place where we're uncomfortable with being unhealthy. And what are those behaviours that sit alongside that place? And I think it's really important you spend some time learning what they are, really identifying, you know what it is, two glasses of wine a night and getting drunk every weekend. You know what it is, it is eating this much food, it is having fast food five times a week. The, the more clarity you can get to understand your acceptable levels that keep you in, unhealthy, in an unhealthy place in those areas, the more you can then set new baseline behaviours. So baseline behaviours, what does that mean? So what we are doing there is we're trying to shift our acceptable levels to a new level with new baseline behaviours. So we'll go back to my alcohol example. You know, you're the, the, the guy who's 100 kg overweight and, you know, you drink two glasses of wine every night and you do the, the get drunk every weekend. And that's your current acceptable level. Where is a new baseline behaviour that you feel that you could maintain and make you successful in being a healthier version of yourself. So you may look at that question, you may go to yourself, okay, well, I know that having two glasses of wine every night comes at a weight cost for me. Actually, funny, I was talking to a girl at the gym this morning, quite topical, and uh, she, she said that you know she was a big drinker, and uh, she gave up drinking two weeks ago, for she's doing like a 12-week thing, like a black and white challenge, and uh, she gave up drinking two weeks ago, and she's lost seven kgs just by not drinking. So, you know, for those of you who do drink a lot and want to lose some weight, it's definitely an easy way to kind of reduce, you know, some of that, the calories that come into your body. But anyway, going back to this situation, he's at, he's at, he's at, goes two glasses, he goes, oh, you know what, I'm going to have one glass of wine every second night, and I'm allowed to only get drunk twice a month. Now, that's not, that's not a black and white, that's not I'm giving up drinking, but it's shifting his behaviours from a place where he stays in an unhealthy, acceptable place. So suddenly from having, you know, if, you know, if you're going to go two glasses of wine a night, well, there's at least 10, but probably, you know, 12 glasses of wine and then your big night once a week. You know, suddenly you go from that to maybe having, you know, four glasses of wine a week and uh, getting drunk every couple of weeks. We can see the improvement of those behaviours and the effect they are going to have on your health. And that's what we want to think about when we think about shifting our acceptable levels and think about setting up new baseline behaviours that I'm trying to aim for. If this person were to do this, we can pretty much guarantee and if they were able to stay and set new baseline behaviours, and not just you know for a certain period of time, but almost like this is the way I'm going to live my life from this moment forward, Do you think they'd lose some weight? Do you think they'd be a healthier version of themselves? I'm pretty sure we can all agree that that, that they will be a much healthier version of themselves. Now what I would find interesting then is, does their acceptable level shift within themselves? So if it's the guy who's 100kg and he starts to reduce alcohol levels to a place where it's a third of what he was doing in the past, a third to a half... Does he lose that you know seven kg that this girl was talking to me about, and suddenly starts to sit around early nineties, and that's the level he becomes comfortable at? And then when he's around that early nineties, do you think that you know if he were to put on five kg again, he go, oh, I don't like being this much weight? I'm not sure. I, 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 you know, this is a concept I've kind of just come up <laughs> for today's show, but I'm kind of thinking that that would be the case. That 
if you improve your baseline behaviours, your acceptable levels will improve over time, and then that will be the way you look at yourself and the way you accept that you should be in your life. I'm going to give you some tips on the on the baseline behaviours because I think there's some really important things we need to address here. First of all, when we think about baseline behaviours, if you've gone, you know, moved away from certain unhealthy behaviours and you're, you know, improving on those behaviours, you need to identify why you use those behaviours in the first place. With the alcohol example, the one you often hear from people who drink a lot of wine at night is they use it as a way to relax. You know, I like to have two glasses of wine. It's been a big day at work. I just feel I want to relax. I want to unwind and just kind of have a relaxing time. You know, when I say I deserve it, I got home from work. Now, if you can figure out that that's why you are using that vice, then you can start to put strategies in place to fulfill the real reason you were doing that. Okay, I use wine to relax. I'm changing my baseline behaviors from two glasses of white to uh, two glasses a night to one to every second night. So on the night I'm not drinking, I need to have a strategy that's a healthy strategy that will help me relax. What are the options I have? So you may look and you may go, I might go for a walk. I might just when I get home, lie down. I might um, call a friend and have a good conversation with them. I might put some cool music on. I might do my gardening. You know, it's such an individual answer. And then on top of that, then you go, how do I make sure I set up those behaviors before I'm even in that moment? So, okay, I know that when I get home, I like to put on some good music and unwind and lie down for 10 minutes. So before I go to work in the morning, I'm going to have that music ready. I'm going to have a nice pillow on the couch. And when I walk in the door, I'm just going to put on the music, push play and lie down for 10 minutes. If you think about that, you can see it'll be much easier to stay in your new baseline behaviours and stay away from your old acceptable levels. A classic example of this is the person who comfort eats when they are lacking in esteem or they're going through a hard moment in their life. And, you know, something big happens or something, you know, where you doubt yourself or you feel you've let yourself down or something like that. And what do you do? You go to food for comfort. So if you're trying to shift your baseline behaviours or your acceptable levels and create new baseline behaviours, then in this situation, you you know, you can you can no longer go to having a whole packet of biscuits, a bag of chips and fizzy drink at night time. You're trying to shift away from that. You might say, I can have two biscuits um, every night as a treat after, after I've eaten my dinner. That's a new baseline behaviour that's a much healthier behaviour. But you don't want to go to that extreme place or maybe even your excess point. But you know when you when you stress or when you're feeling that you're lacking in esteem, comfort eating is the way you deal with this situation. So when you move towards your new baseline behaviors, what you want to think about is, well, okay, if I know I'm moving towards this and I know that sometimes when I feel um, I'm lacking esteem, I need comfort, what are some other ways that I can deal with this emotion that are healthier options for me to implement? It might be that you talk with your partner, it might be you ring your best friend, it might be some exercise, it might be reflective writing, it might be, you know, again, it's such a personal thing. But if you can identify great healthy ways for you to deal with when you need comfort, and again, if you can put them in place before you actually need them, then that comfort food eating will probably be less of a battle when you experience in those times. Some other things to think about as well is, 
Think about how you shifting your baseline behaviors will affect those people around you and how they can help you be and support you in achieving those, you know, this shift in your behaviors. So if we think about when you're in a situation with a partner, let's say your partner does, you know, has two glasses of wine with you every night after work as well, and, and they don't want to change. Now that's a really hard situation because you probably won't feel supported by them. But what you need to think about is what do I need to communicate to them and how can I help them get on my side to be successful in doing this? If you go up to your partner and say, look babe, I feel I'm unhealthy in this area. I'm trying to make some shifts in my behavior and uh, here's what I'm doing and you can show them all you know, what you've, the work you've set up and here's how I need you to support me. I don't have any problem with you doing your glasses of wine, that's all good, or if you want to jump on board with me, great, but what I need from you is maybe, you know, in this first period, can you not drink the wine when I'm around, can you maybe have a couple of glasses of wine before I get home, or um, do it later on at night, or can you please make sure you never offer me the wine, and while you don't offer me the wine, you help me do the thing that helps me to relax. By doing this, you're putting the cards in your favor. You're stacking the deck to give yourself more chance of being successful. And that's what we want to think about in regards to that stuff. How are the people around you going to help you do that as well? So you kind of, hopefully you understand where I've come from with today's show. Ultimately, we all have excess points. And, and over time, we're trying to shift those excess points. You know, it's funny, as funny as I was doing today's show and as I was just kind of talking to you guys now, I was thinking about myself. I used to I used to have this habit years ago where I would buy a big bag of Biggins, which is like a you know 200-gram bag of chips and uh, a block of chocolate and a bottle of Coke. And, you know, and this is when I was doing Iron Man, so I could burn those calories and it wasn't such an unhealthy thing to do. And that was one of those I've gone too far excess points, but it wasn't, you know, like the point where I was, my friend was embarrassed me, you know, I must change excess point. And I, and I look at where I am with my excess points right now and, you know, occasionally I'll drink a little bit too much diet Coke. That's probably my excess point now. So over the years, and I've probably done this subconsciously, but my excess point has got so much smaller that it's not really even a problem now. So we, you know, think about that for yourself. Where are your excess points? How often do you go to that place where actually you know you've gone too far? And then how often do you go to that place which is too far but you keep going back to it? How can you set up behaviors and strategies to make yourself stay away from that place? Because the cost is absolutely massive. Not just for your physical self but also for your mental self. Then really think about what are my acceptable levels. Maybe you are someone who's overweight, or maybe you are someone who sits on the couch too long, or maybe you are someone who drinks too much. Maybe you are someone who looks in the mirror and deep down you kind of know you're a little bit dissatisfied with where you sit. But at the same time, you've been in that place for a long time, so you're almost accepting of it. Then look deeper to the behaviors that come alongside that, the acceptable behaviors that actually keep you in that place. Then think about okay, well, if I'm going to shift these behaviors, what are new baseline behaviors I want to create for myself that are going to take me to a healthier place and will shift the acceptable way I look at myself? How do I replace what I'm taking away? You know, how do I make sure I'm still relaxed when I'm drinking? How do I make sure I have comfort when I'm stressed? And how do I get the people around me to be successful in doing this? If you continually think about this process and continually work at it, you'll always be shifting forward, like my example of my chips, coke and chocolate. 
you'll be continually shifting forward to a place where you'll be living in healthier behaviors more often in your everyday life. And when you live in healthier behaviors more often in your everyday life, you become healthier. So if you're willing to do this work, if you're willing to think about this stuff, and you're willing to consistently chip away at it, and shift the way you see yourselves in a way into a healthy person, there's a much higher chance you're going to be that best version of yourself. Hey team, I hope you got something out of there. I hope that uh, maybe gave you some insight or some thinking into um, you know this this topic here. I have actually done a workbook again. I, I did a workbook last month, and geez, you guys really liked it. I got a lot of people end up getting it, and obviously got a lot of value from it. I got some great feedback around it, which is really great. And so I thought, you know, this year I might kind of keep the workbook up. So I've actually done a workbook around this model. You know, uh, where is your excess points? Where are your acceptable levels? And then how can you set baseline behaviors? And then ask some of those other questions, you know, how do all the people, what are the, you know, what are the challenges? How can you replace what you are gaining and, and that type of stuff? If this show really hit a note with you, you can go to my website and it's bevanjamesisles.com. That's bevanjamesisles.com and find the show notes for this month's show. This is episode 37 of Fitness Behavior. And there'll be a link to that for the PDF workbook in there. So you can jump on there and grab that from there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to read, read emails out this month because it's Friday night. It's 10 past 6 on a Friday night and I'm going out for dinner with my lovely partner Joe and some friends. And uh, I pretty much have to kind of leave within the next five or six minutes. So um, I'll probably leave the emails to next month. But um, I pro- oh, just one thing, I have got a spare place for a client right now. I do some personal mentoring. I love it. It's uh, one of the most rewarding things I do. There's real value in sitting down with someone often and uh, reflecting on your life. I think it's, you know, I often think that one of the reasons or one of the most powerful things you can do in your life to be successful is just to reflect. You know, I, I do it every day. I do my journals, I do my affirmations, I do, um, you know, these my meditation. I've got a lot of reflection tools in my day to help me just kind of make sure I'm staying on track. And one of the most powerful things I believe you can do is to have someone alongside you to support you in that and so I do some mentoring I've got clients all over the world and I, I limit it to 10 people at a time and uh and at the moment I've got a spare spot so if you are interested in me mentoring you just flick me an email you can go to my website bevanjamesisles.com and uh if you want me to mentor you just flick me an email I'll just kind of show you how it works and if you're interested we can go from there um, it's not just fitness either I've got a, a wide range of people I've got uh yeah a very kind of diverse group of people uh, for all different areas. And to be honest, I think I really only do one or two around fitness. It's actually, a lot of it's just this mind stuff I do on the show. So yeah, if you're interested, check it out. Uh, next month, I'm, 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 I haven't actually started thinking about next month's show, so I have to see what I can come up with. It's uh, I'm really looking forward to 2014. It's, it's kind of an exciting year in uh, both my life and my partner's life. My partner, Joe, uh, we have a running business here in Christchurch, and we're a real example of a small business. Um, as in we started over nearly five years ago and uh, it was very much a side project that I started that it's just slowly got bigger and bigger and uh, Joe and I bought a house together about two and a half years ago and at that time our aim was to get Joe to be able to quit a job to work full-time on our business and uh, you know at the end of last year she quit her job and she's now full-time on our business and it's uh, 
it's really it's really exciting you know like our business is still small we've still got a lot of long way to go to achieve what we want to achieve but uh, it is nice to have those markers in the sand where you really you know here's something we aim for within this journey and uh, now we get to go there and and I'm very fortunate because my lovely Joe, she's seriously I've got the best partner in the world um she's brilliant at what she does and luckily for me her her strengths are my real weakness so as you could you guys probably know I can talk and I can I can sell and I, and I'm good with people and front I'm, I'm good at being in front of people and all those types of things and Joe that's not her buzz but when it comes to the behind the scenes behind you know how to make things you know work and um, organization all those types of things she's just like an absolute legend so we're quite lucky as a relationship that we have these skill sets that we're able to transfer as a, you know, together to make our business even better, and it's been uh, it's been quite cool. It's been two weeks since she's left a job, and uh, or since she's been working from home, and we both work from home together, and yeah, like it's working. It's really great. So I feel kind of cool about that this year. Um, I've had a bit of an injury in my knee, and that's coming right, which is great. So I can look at getting some exercises and competing. And uh, obviously my book this year, which you guys are going to hear a lot more about later on in the year. So anyway, um, I hope you guys have got you know big ambitions for this year and, and hoping to continue to grow and experience this life of yours in really powerful ways. And um, yeah, flick me an email if you have any questions about anything about the show. Follow my website, bevanjamesiles.com. Follow me on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, I'll see you guys next month. You guys rock.